Alright, uh, welcome to another episode of Playing with Research in Health and Physical Education. Uh, today we have a role reversal. Uh, Stephen Harvey is here to put me uh, under the microscope to talk about my, uh, my article that I published with a couple colleagues uh, on the Fitness Integrated with Technology curriculum, which was a part of my dissertation. So, um, uh, I think... Dr. Harvey, you talked about navel gazing, so I will, uh, I will navel gaze away. So uh, here we go with another episode. Go ahead. I am, I am ready. Well, you deserve the navel gazing because you've done a great job with the podcast so far. So good, good Thank on you. you. Thanks. So we felt that this would be a good way to give you an opportunity to talk about some of your own research in health and physical education. So let's. So the, the, the paper is called Student Perceptions of Technology Integration Using the FIT or FIT Unit and it was published in Research Quarterly in an online first so it's yeah. out there and accessible even though it's not got a volume or issue date. So let's crack on. So what was the purpose? What made you want to do this study in the first place? So the basics are to just explore students' experience in the Fitness Integrated with Technology Unit and look at their perceptions of teaching physical education. And um, to give you kind of a little bit of background, there's a lot of research out there that says that technology can really enhance learning. Uh, I mean, we're on a podcast right now. We're talking about a technological tool to disseminate research so other people can learn. Uh, so there's a lot out there on it, but it's uh, it's also a kind of conflicting uh, research field and whether it's a positive or negative influence on learning. So we just kind of wanted to see, you know, does the curriculum work and what are the students' perceptions of integrating that tech piece? And there, I mean, there wasn't many studies in physical education, even from a technology standpoint, you could draw on to, to build this project, I guess. Yeah, and uh, Vicky Goodyear and Charlotte Kerner and Mikhail Quinterstead have done a lot of research on this. Um, and, you know, there's research on apps being able to increase student engagement and motivation to be physically active out there. Um, but, you know, Vicky Goodyear and colleagues have kind of seen that maybe tech integration isn't necessarily all it's hyped up to be. I mean, there are definitely really good versions of it, but if you don't implement it appropriately, uh, we may actually have a negative impact on student learning. So, for example, if there's no personalized application to using tech, we're just saying everybody gets to 10,000 steps or an accelerometer. That kind of stuff doesn't necessarily work because the motivational effect fades away. Um, you know, the other thing to think of is that students need time to learn how to use this technology. Um, and Goodyear kind of warned against the generational assumptions that we have with youth. Oh, they're kids. They're going to be able to pick it up and you just shove down technology into the uh, class without actually taking the time to teach. Um, and, you know, the work that they did with Fitbits um, can kind of backfire. Uh, in their study, they actually saw that, you know, using Fitbits was a monitoring technique. That's how the students perceived it. And it kind of left kids feeling guilty and shameful of their bodies. So, yeah, I mean, that's something you want to avoid. But on the sort of flip side, the, the technology, and you said about time, can be fun if it's integrated wisely, but you've kind of got to get over that initial bit of fun yeah. and them to see it as meaningful to... Yeah, 
Absolutely. And, and I think Alex Darn, Danetta Cawthorn did the study in 2006 about the fun factor in PE. Um, and we also, you know, we come across this three letter word fun. Like people are really torn, torn by it because they don't want to make PE just about fun. It should be about learning, obviously. Um, but we kind of situated this paper in the theory of planned behavior um, as the quantitative aspect of it was to measure student attitudes. Um, so we need to kind of consider student attitude here. And we did this and that's published in another paper. Um, but fun and enjoyment is a huge part of continuing to do things. And we want students to continue to lead a healthy life and be physically active. And maybe one thing is that at the outset, there's this somewhat assumption that integrating technology would make mm-hmm. this unit fun for the yeah. participants. That, that was the hope. Yeah. That was the hope. So um, tech integration was tough and it didn't, um, you know, we'll get into the results, yeah. but it didn't necessarily always go just as planned. And then there was, I don't know if this was a secondary purpose, but there was this focus a little bit on you wanting to think about broader integration of like where students take their learning beyond, as Hellison would say, beyond the gym. Mm-hmm. So you wanted them to int- try and integrate some of this learning with the technology at home. Yeah. So they had access to the technology. So the technology was a, a move band. Yep. So they would have access to take that home and access an online database. So how was that working with the homework? Although, again, we'll come to the use of the term homework. Yeah, we, uh, we implemented homework with this project. So students had access to an online database that had their um, physical activity measurements. So their steps, their miles, their moves, which was what the move band did. Right. Um, and honestly, background wise, like I, I've been looking for articles on homework and there's just not a lot of empirical evidence on students perceptions of homework and PE there are Joe Bird articles out there there are um, unpublished dissertations out there about homework but you know there's nothing really empirical and large scoping so that was one of the interesting things that came out in this paper as well of students perceptions of homework yeah so the, as you talked about you had the theory of planned behavior as the theoretical framework we don't want to go too deep into mm-hmm. this, but it has three three major components. Yep. So you want to just give us a brief... Yeah, moment? and for those of you that are more interested in this, uh, we did a podcast on this, pretty short, uh, fairly easy to follow. It's uh, between episodes uh, four and five. It's our first theory breakdown, but kind of in a nutshell and like a very, very tight nutshell. Uh, if you like something, you're more likely to keep doing that thing. Uh, it helps you if, um, if that means if you have the means to do it financial or otherwise uh, or a ride to that uh, practice Um, there's a bit of social pressure to nudge you towards doing it that's going to help and finally uh, you're probably good at it or you find it easy or at least challenging Um, you don't find a lot uh, you know you don't find a lot of people wanting to do impossible tasks and hitting their head against the wall and continuing to do it so uh, but again, the theory breakdown is a, is a good source to go to. So in terms of how you went about collecting some of the, the data and putting the unit together, we call it methods, I guess. In mm-hmm. the so do you want to talk a little bit about why you did it or like it was part of a bigger project? And Yeah, so it was a part of a larger study and part of my dissertation. Uh, my goal was to find out a lot of things. There are a lot of moving parts. We wanted to see if attitude was malleable enough to change over the course of a unit. 
Um, we wanted to see how students would react to homework. I wanted to see and test out the FIT curriculum um, and then what effect that would have on physical activity. So lots of moving parts. Uh, we focused this paper on student perception. So we had 221 students across 12 classes in six different schools participated. Um, each class was taught with a different teacher to minimize the teaching effect. Mm -hmm. uh, so that makes 12 teachers, which uh, it's another paper that we're working on. Um, and they, they taught 12 lessons. So I guess I like the number 12 a lot. So mm -hmm. 12 teachers, uh, 12 classes. We interviewed um, 13 students, actually, because one of the students didn't want to do the interview. So I went to my backup, yeah. and then I interviewed that person, and then all of a sudden she wanted to do the interview again. So uh, we had 13 students that um, gave information uh, to this. So we had um, accelerate based on their accelerometer scores, so if they're high or low, their student attitude scores, high or low, um, the teacher's perceptions of their buy-in into the unit, high and low. So different variations of students that were purposefully uh, interviewed. And basically when we go into the data, um, we had observation field notes. I was you know, in all of those classrooms several times. Um, the artifacts, everything that they produced, homework assignments, written reflections, um, you know, projects, collages, homework assignments, and you know, teachers' notes on the lesson plans, everything was uh, included in that data. And did you identify the students ahead of time? Because you said to me about you had the accelerometry data. Was that based Yeah, on so I looked at their baseline and their... Because I interviewed at, at the end. Yeah. So I looked through who was really high on their accelerometer scores. Right. I interviewed a really high achiever and then someone that was consistently wearing it but not having a lot of like step counts. And then I also took people who just wore it for one day and then just refused to wear it. I wanted to find out um, why they didn't wear it. And I guess we'll get to that in a, in a sec. So the, the unit was based on some kind of evidence, I guess. So the FIT unit, mm -hmm. fitness integrated with technology. Yep. So you want to talk a little bit about that so people have context? Yeah, so this is something that Ray Frederick and I developed. Uh, he's at Queens College now in New York. And basically it teaches fitness knowledge. Um, so things like the fit principle, uh, the progressive overload, things like that to students while integrating math and English language arts into the fold, um, all through teaching with technology. So students are uh, creating their own data sets that then we would take them into a computer lab, upload that information, teach them about averages, medians, ranges, uh, talk to them about why is your average really high this week when we take out Saturday and Sunday. Now when we add Saturday and Sunday, why did your average go down? Oh, well, I play video games all Sundays. So kind of use their own uh, data to teach them about fitness. And uh, the ELA stuff came in in the form of writing and reflection assignments and uh, presenting visual posters of what fitness means to them. And um, at the end, they were working on their own fitness plan to be able to continue making their own choices and how they want to be healthy and physically active. And one thing that I picked up after reading was that the, you didn't kind of get the teachers to throw what they were already doing out of the window. You kind of integrated this within a unit that they were already going to do. So yeah. if I was doing... A soccer unit, for example. Sorry, I'm biased with soccer. Um, 
you would integrate this into that soccer unit. Yeah. And that was the idea. We didn't want to go in and say, you have to teach this exactly like I'm telling you to. There are certain parts that need to happen, but you could do it in, in your own way and you could integrate this because fitness isn't, you know, you get fitness in soccer, you get fitness in basketball, you get fitness in a fitness unit. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, we are now separating fitness and we're going to do a two week fitness unit. So my goal was to kind of integrate it throughout and teach students who are in sixth, seventh and eighth grades that, Hey, you go to a pumpkin patch or you go into a cheerleading practice, even though you don't consider that physical activity, which some of the kids didn't, it still counts as physical activity for them. Yeah, no, and you're using the term fitness. I guess it's, it's health and physical activity, behavior or movement. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's exercise. So unpicking and unpacking some of that, I yeah. guess we can get to yeah. a little bit later. So obviously from the data collection that you had, and we'll pick up on the artifacts, particularly the collage that they did, because yeah. I know it's important. Um, so for the listeners at this point, I'm giving you a signpost to that later. Um, so you had three themes. Do you want to briefly mention those three themes and then talk a little bit about each one? Yeah. So the th- uh, three themes, theme number one was technology and problems influencing it. Uh, the second one was about homework and PE. And then the third one was about potential motivational effects of technology on students. And so with the theme one uh, about technology and uh, implementing problems and man, the technology integration was not not easy. And uh, we ran into a lot of issues with uh, the bulky bands. Uh, they were not well received. Move band obviously had I mean, this was done in 2015. So they've upgraded their equipment. We were using the older equipment. It didn't work as well. Um, Some students just took it off during PE while playing like volleyball. And they're like, oh, it hurts every time like the volleyball hits it. And I'm like, okay, well maybe a wrist-worn accelerometer is not great here. Um, You know, they'd go to a soccer game and play soccer and the referee would say, you can't wear anything on your wrist. So they would lose all of that data and then they got less motivated to continue wearing it because they were, you know, not getting their accurate data. So the biggest 90 minutes of physical activity exertion counts as zero because they have their, mm-hmm. um, you know, band in their bag. So I, I take a sweatband and put it over my Fitbit or Apple watch, wherever I am yeah. when I'm playing soccer. So I get over that. And so I hide it from the ref. Yeah. And so some of the students did that Yeah, and the referees would come over and oh, grab really? their sweatband yeah. and they're like, Hey, you can't have that underneath. Interesting. And again, it was a little bit more bulky, so you could definitely see it underneath. Um, but the idea was that we wanted to use something that was affordable. Mm-hmm. So these were $20 in bulk at that time. Not every school can afford to buy Apple Watches for everybody. Um, and then, you know, there was a definitely a novelty effect with it. And it wasn't very fashionable. It wasn't, you know, great uh, accessory to certain, uh, certain students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the low socioeconomic communities, uh, some of them didn't have a home computer to sync the data. And the way they charged it was plugging it into a computer. So not having a computer at home now is a completely different uh, situation. And, you know, we had gatekeeper accessibility issues. Parents would just say, no, you're not putting that software on the computer. So then now all of a sudden that homework piece doesn't work for that specific student. Yeah. Um, you know, the second theme 
was about homework and the cognitive learning in physical education, and the homework was a struggle. Um, there was not a culture of homework in the classes. The best case scenario was that you know students had to read an article, do a hundred word review before the end of the semester, right? So um, not really integrated well before. So when I came in, I think it was a little bit too much too soon, mm-hmm. and I didn't phase it in properly. Um, and the students had the split of mind that PE was not academic. Mm-hmm. So there was no need to do academic work. And now, of course, some of the kids did. But uh, the percentage of P- the students that turned in the homework was really low. Um, and to some, it was like I ruined PE for them. Coming in, doing this research study, they, they said, we used to be able to play and be active. And now they equated PE to coming in, reading, learning, and then getting to play some game at the end, so... It I faced the same in a couple of projects where... And I know that Rachel Gervich and their models-based practice monograph, they had students, like, assessing each other and writing things down. And that was something that they said was a bit of a barrier to mm-hmm. the implementation of models-based practice, which yeah. would be an innovative type of pedagogical yeah. model for physical education. Yeah, and sometimes we think as researchers this is a great idea, yeah. and then the students get a really like, which is great because I got to interview the students and I asked them, and some of them, you know, here's a good quote: "I feel like physical education is I don't know. You don't use your brain. I don't want to say that, but yeah." And she definitely said that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And uh, I thought that homework assignments were a little ridiculous because it's pretty stupid that you had to do a collage for gym and questions about exercising for gym. So, you know, so much for my attempt at integrating visual methodologies. You yeah, know. but there's a bit of a sense in this that of the separation of the mind and body, though. Yeah. Whereas, so it might be coming from a, a cultural societal opinion about what physical education is for some people. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And then so the last theme is about wearing accelerometers may have motivated the students. Um, And we did see a motivational effect with the accelerometers. It spiked as soon as they got their bands. And in my observations, when I gave them out, they were doing cartwheels, they're sprinting back and forth, constantly looking back at how many steps they got. And then slowly week one, week two, week three, it kept on going lower and lower and it kind of just leveled off. Um, So, you know, we had them wear wear the band for six weeks. So we just saw this spike and then a leveling off. But, um, you know, the students also learned through the accelerometers and realized that, like I said, some physical activity that they were doing, that they didn't consider physical activity. Mm -hmm. They were surprised and said, Oh, cheerleading counts? Like, yeah, you're really physically active during that. Yeah. So. So, um, in terms of moving forward, then you discuss your findings for those three themes in relation to the theory of planned behavior. Do you want to just touch on a couple of the major insights? Yeah, and I won't go too far into this, but we basically, if you read the paper, it's broken down through attitude, subjective norms, and behavior control, and intention and control. And we, we look at first attitude, for the most part, students enjoyed physical activity and the use of accelerometers. Um, and, you know, we aligned with the research by Goodyear and colleagues, mostly that integration was positive, got kids engaged, but not everybody loved it. And especially those who 
wouldn't get the full use of the band, meaning they ran out of battery or they couldn't sync at home. Um, you know, the homework assignments, the one assignment that had the most, um, you know, turned in was the collage. So it seemed like if they enjoyed and they found it meaningful, they would turn it in and do the work, mm -hmm. um, you know, but overall the attitude towards homework was not favorable. And I think it was too much too soon. Um, you know, with the subjective norms, so that's basically social pressure to perform something. Mm -hmm. um, so we found that the students who bragged about it, that they had their band on their arm and they went to a social situation and people were like, oh, what's that? And, you know, accelerometers are huge 2015. People were saying, oh, you have this. Mm -hmm. I, you know, those were the ones that if they were getting positive feedback from family and friends about how cool it was that they were wearing it, those are the ones that had the highest likelihood of having consistent data across. Um, and we look at behavior control. Um, so for the most part, students enjoyed wearing them. Um, when they first used the accelerometer, it was a simple, you know, kind of just put on your wrist and go. And as the time went on, they actually ended up having, um, it became a burden. Like, oh, I have to take it off when I shower and then I have to put it back on and yeah. it's bulky. And so, you know, they started to kind of decline and uh, the missing data towards the end of the study was a lot bigger. Yeah. Um, and, you know, once they ran into roadblocks, they use it less and less. So, you know, and that's really important to know. I think tech integration has to be seamless and easy. If it's not, you're doing probably more harm than good. Yeah. And finally, the part about intention and control, um, you know, we saw that three factors influence the intention and behavior, and those were viewed, uh, you know, the students who viewed homework as positively uh, and easy, they were more likely to do it. And those are, you know, kind of sometimes when you integrate these theories that sound super fancy, you know, it, it comes down to basics. Make it enjoyable for students if they seem to have success and they know that they can succeed and they like what they're doing and it's meaningful for, the, for them, they're going to continue doing it. So I think we're going to get to the conclusion, but I, probably this last bit is the most important where you talk a little bit about in your conclusion about student voice or a bit of a big take home message. Mm -hmm. And we hear a lot of practitioners as well talk about student voice and choice and this is related to self-determination theory, if I have autonomy and freedom whereas here you were saying yes you can do your normal unit but we want you to do the homework we want you to do these assignments we want you to wear this band so inadvertently you may be removed a little bit of that autonomy from the students so yeah. do you want to wrap that up yeah and I think you know we have to consider student voice and I think in you know in hindsight the research that I do now is much more different it's very different and you know we co-create learning spaces we ask students for feedback while we're doing the project to meet the needs we go into talk to students before we enact a program you know this was you know in my dissertation i will have these grand schemes i'm going to change the world i'm going to show how this curriculum works and in hindsight now at the end i ask students opinions I interviewed them, I had rich, meaningful conversation with the students, but I got that data after I had implemented the whole thing. And, and then another thing was just not 
doing too much too soon, like you talked about as well. Yeah. And it's, it's that ambition as a, I don't have my doctorate yet. Let me like bite off a huge piece. And, and, you know, Steve Silverman co-author on this and, um, you know, my advisor, you know, he was like, this is a lot. Like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, Steve, I want to do this. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I learned a lot from the structure of this. And I think it's a valuable piece in talking about how students perceive when you mm -hmm. shove a lot of technology integration, English language arts, math, homework into a short period of time. You know, this unit was six weeks, you know, with the REACH program that Ray, Frederick and I are doing. You know, we have four years of yeah. data from full year prolonged mm -hmm. interaction with this program. That's a completely different paper than this is. Well, and, and in that way, you can hit these three target areas of homework, technology integration, and and fun over a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not... And I think a little bit's the problem because of the dissertation format in the university. You want to get it done and get out of there. Yeah. So you tend to over overreach. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. I like the puns. Um, and, and do too much too quick whereas you really want to scaffold these projects and do right let's look at the technology then let's look at homework then yada yada over yeah. a longer period of time unless you're landing in an NIH NSF grant you can hire four or five doctoral students to work with you to go out and collect one piece of data and you have a huge team to do it then you can make these big contributions and you know as a doc student un unfunded <laughs> you're not but one of the, to finish on a positive, like one thing I took away from the positive side is, as well as the lessons learned from a research point of view was the theory of planned behavior really is a, a robust theory to try and explain away some of the findings for yeah. this project. Yeah, thanks. And, you know, the co-authors on this, David Dom, um, Ray Frederick, Steve Silverman, one of my old undergraduate students actually worked on this paper as well, uh, Josh Santiago. Um, so... It's, I think it's a, it's a good start to, you know, roll into other, other projects from this. And I think in the future, we're going to start integrating this, this stuff, the technology into the REACH after school program and make that a hybrid. So good. Well, thanks for letting me be the host. Yeah. Hopefully I did a good job. <laughs> I'm sure this audio will come out crisp and clear. So thank you for uh, letting me be on the other side of the mic. That's great. No Appreciate problem. it.